Welcome everybody to Flyover Footy. It's another outdoor edition, uh, aka COVID edition, I suppose. Uh, the bugs are cooperating a little better today, and um, I think after this take, our audio will be cooperating. Um, we have the normal crew today, minus one. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Santiago's here. How are you tonight? Doing great, doing great. Ready to talk about soccer, talk about St. Louis FC and what's going on in with soccer in St. Louis and excited about St. Louis getting a tie and surviving for at least another game, oh big my game on gosh. Saturday. Talk about um, hearts racing. We're going to get to that in a second too. Uh, Stuart's here as well. Stuart, um, yeah, crazy couple of games in a row actually here that we're going to get into detail for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, still calming down. <laughs> um, missing tonight, Matt Baker. Um, his family, you know, we said special COVID edition. Uh, they've got a little bit of that going on in their family. Um, no details there exactly right now, but I think they're doing fine by the sound of it. So maybe check in with Matt if you guys talk to them, um, as many of you do. It seems like Matt talks to and knows most the city at this point now <laughs> if they're involved in soccer. So yeah. <laughs> definitely check in with your good friend, Matt. Um, but as far as we know, everything is fine so far. And, and that's as much as we'll say. Um, but yeah, moving on to the game, uh, maybe we'll work backwards. I think that might be a nice way to go about it because this last game is just too exciting not to talk about right off the bat. Sam Fink saving our lives once again. Um, oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. I was going to go all the way. But yeah, we'll go all the way back to Sam, uh, Sporting Kansas City too. Yeah. Sam Fink saving our lives at the very end. Um, I was preparing for the worst, right? Uh, Santiago, we were just talking about how you made that call. You said it was one of your favorite calls of the year. Um, yep. What were you thinking at that point? I was honestly thinking at that point that that was it, that it was going to end 2-2, and that that was basically the end of the season for St. Louis FC. But obviously, Sam Fink had a different idea and God. saved the day with that uh, set piece. Yeah. Open Cup hero, Sam Fink. Um, that was a crazy one. I think I think a theme for tonight will be formations for St. Louis FC. Uh, one of my favorite things about the year has been how much we've been attacking and how Trichu is willing to just throw in the kitchen sink at the right times. And um, I think most of those that come against uh, Sporting Kansas City uh, we came out at the very start with a three-back, three-center-back system against them in this last game. We played against them, and um, boy, it was high-flying, and our guys worked their asses off in the first 20 minutes, I'd say. I don't know if I've seen this team attack. In my opinion, I don't think I've seen this team attack as well as it did in that first 20 minutes. Um, and then we saw a lot of good counterattacks from Sporting Kansas City. What did you think about that game, Stuart? You know, I... I We've seen enough about Sporting KC too this year that you know, four times in six weeks, so we saw them a lot in short order. Uh, I had a lot of confidence going into the game that we, we would win, and we would win pretty decisively. Uh, and yeah, in the first half, you, I mean, we saw that. that uh, we went up 2 nothing in the first half, and it could have been more. Yeah. Uh, SKC2 just looked outmatched and uh, they 
they'd called up or signed to a contract, Mitch Hildebrandt, yeah. uh, though he wasn't the one who started in goal. Someone told me, I think it was Derek Gottman, told me that SKC2 played four goalies in, uh, across the four games. Oh my so each gosh. time they played a different yeah. goalie. So I don't know if that was part of it or their back line just got overmatched, but... He was a young goalkeeper. I think it was his second game with Sporting Kansas yeah. City. I saw that. Okay. Um, but I didn't know Mitch was called up. I missed that completely. Yeah, they signed him because he was the he's the Sporting KC2 goalie coach. Oh. So they signed him to a professional contract. I think okay. he, he must have been the backup yeah. for, for that game. So Very interesting. Let's talk about some formations. Um, my favorite thing is the emergence... <laughs> It's, it's my favorite thing. Uh, we'll leave it at that for now. Is the emergency of Ciceroni as a left wing back has been really fun in the attack. Uh, scary at times because the guy gets forward and it seems like we really rely on our center backs to take care of any uh, counterattack, especially with Oscar Umar, who is out. Um, Santiago, do you want to talk about the formation at all? The things, some things you liked or some things you didn't? Yeah, I know. So definitely like that, that the team was ready to attack and that was the mindset. But at the same time, I was a little bit concerned. Uh, you mentioned Ciceroni at some, in some instances, uh, leaving some space. And Sporting KC uh, recognized that like after 10 minutes. Mm. And uh, if um, Musha had had better uh, aim, he will have yeah. scored a couple of goals. He had a <laughs> couple of chances and uh, one uh, hit the post, another one uh, went wide, but uh, I was a little bit concerned because every time K Sporting KC had the ball on the left side, they will make a long pass to Musha and he was there by itself. Yep. A lot of space, but fortunately things went our way and he didn't score. Yeah. I would say in both uh, Sporting Kansas City and the Indy game, we got really lucky that both teams had good, good chances that were wasted with bad finishing. Uh, Tyler Pasher had a bad game for sure. Um, but would you say, uh, you, you get to talk to uh, Chuchu a, a lot more, Santiago. Was that, um, I know you said in our DMs offline that um, this last game was 3-5-2 for sure. Is that what we played the entire game against Kansas City as well? No, so it was actually at the end. Uh, I remember uh, he said post game that it was a three four three. Okay, okay. So yeah. was I right that Revis was kind of the left winger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I asked him about Ciceroni. I was like, Coach, uh, you were leaving a, a lot of space there, and he was like, Yeah, I kind of knew, and I gave Russell a lot of liberty. Yeah. And he basically, he said, "I had we had to take the risk. We had to win that game, and that was the mindset going for it, yeah. uh, attacking a lot. And yeah, there was some risk, but uh, fortunately, it didn't happen. But he wasn't. He was like, yeah, we need <laughs> to win the game, and that's what we had to do.' Is uh, is Trichu your favorite coach too? <laughs> <laughs> I like. <coughs> I really like the way Tritz. Uh, handles things I mean me too I'll always love Dale Dale's fantastic and yeah and, totally. um, just a great club servant uh, I think Ant kind of soured a lot of people on just how the season last year ended and 
Other than that, we just have Precky, and no one likes Precky. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's not difficult for Trits to be our. No, our it favorite. was a pretty low bar, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I love seeing. Still love seeing Dale around, but yeah, no, it's for sure definitely Trits for me as well. He just he goes for broke, and I like yeah. that. He's aggressive. And considering the situation, in all fairness, he's playing with house money. You know, yeah, like no, he's. Right. I mean, uh, who knows where he he'll end up next year? Maybe he just stays on with Gallagher in a position. Yeah, I mean, right. Uh, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. it's his home club too. So, because yeah, he was going to work with the academy before uh, Pulis uh, left. So. Right. This was never the intent anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, But yeah, let's move on to Indy. I think we covered SKC just fine. Um, The guys took care of business. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I think we were all thrilled that we came away with three points on that game. Uh, We all got uh, to feel like the next game meant something still. Um, Against Indy, we came out 3-5-2. A lot more conservative in the way we went about the three in the back, um, but still vulnerable to counterattack. Uh, Stuart, how did you feel in that game? I thought we held our formation well. We were disciplined. In the first half, Indy had a, I saw the statistics, 67% possession. Yeah. So they made their runs. They had some opportunities. Uh, Kyle came up with a couple big saves but the guys never looked panicked mm-hmm. they uh, were formed well they moved well together uh, and the opportunities that came on the counter which it seemed to be pretty obvious to soak up soak up Indy's pressure and, and counter fast mm-hmm. uh, and and it was it was working so going into half 0-0 zero, zero, I, I felt pretty happy with what I saw so far um, and it same thing works when we beat Indy at home we we had like two shots on goal yeah. if that and uh, same thing against Louisville we hardly had any shots but our guys can finish I mean Russell Tyler Greg they're they're finishers mm-hmm. they they're clinical and you get Tyler or Russell one-on-one with the keeper they're gonna score so Indy was playing pretty pretty loose on the back line and I, I, I was just feeling really good going in going into the second half but I would have been happy with the 0-0 draw to be honest mm-hmm. yeah I've been meaning to look up efficiency for scoring efficiency that's something we should definitely post because I think they've been very good this year um, and yeah, I agree with you we went into the second half I felt very good like that they were playing into our into our plans at that point uh, Santiago, any thoughts about the first or even lead us into the second if you like? Yeah, so the first, uh, yeah, as Stuart said, uh, good first half, uh, kept the score uh, 0-0. And uh, the longest a game goes scoreless, the better chances the away team has to uh, come in a counterattack and score. And that's what, what happened. Um is around uh the play, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, look at the replay, but um, pass to um, Tyler Blackwood and Kyle Gregg was like running and, and yes. he took a defender with him 
leaving some space for Cicerone to get in front of the goalkeeper and score. So a uh, good good play, good counter attack. Uh, I was feeling great at that point. Uh, even uh, Blackwood had a had another chance, but but uh, um, it didn't happen. And then. 60th minute everything changed with uh, Fink uh, getting a red card and then uh, Indy kept pressuring and pressuring and they got the goal uh, you can you, you can always look at the pre the play before the goal or things that the team didn't do uh, mm. an unfortunate an unfortunate play for uh, Paris G but it is what it is and uh, the team kept fighting defending then Wharton uh, got a red card uh, 74 minute or something like that and at that point I was thinking okay this is it yeah. we, we only have nine guys in the nose uh, winning could basically yeah. put them in the playoffs uh, but the guys kept fighting and I, I was really happy with that that they fought defended well and kept the 1-1 which wasn't really the result I, the team wanted um, they wanted to win when I when I talked to a coach um, earlier in the week and even to Tyler Blackwood their mindset was we, we have to win mm -hmm. if we win we, we control our own destiny we we come home on second place and that would be good but considering the circumstances that one one tie is great yeah no kidding yeah I want to re-emphasize the run that Cal Gregg made uh, to open up space. Um, I couldn't believe it worked so well, To first of all, because Tyler Blackwood had the ball. They were somewhat close to being even as far as their depth um, lengthwise. But, yeah, Cal Gregg made that run, and I feel like he took two defenders with him, and then they left, um, I forgot his name, but the Trinidadian uh, left Hackshire. center back. Hackshire. Hackshire, thank you. Um, I think he was on Tyler Blackwood and he gave him so much space and time and I, it might just be because I don't know soccer well enough but I could not believe that Blackwood was able to like kind of stop look around yeah. and waste enough time that Ciceroni could make that late run it just worked perfectly for us well who was on Ciceroni there who, who completely left Ciceroni unmarked coming back it had to be Drew Connor or uh, the other guy. It was one of their center mids. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. A complete failure on whoever that was on, on Indy. Yeah, I love Drew to death, but yeah. And he had an amazing game, and if that wasn't his fault, he might have had a, an incredible game, you know, but maybe that was on him. Who knows? Um, some of those balls in behind after we were down a guy, or, you know, oh my gosh. He made some incredible passes, but. Um, yeah, great goal, you know, and I would say I'm just shocked at, like, Indy, maybe they were worn out, maybe they were tired of attacking with no fruit, you know, and we were just relying on that counterattack and just absorbing all their pressure. That has to be frustrating. Um, Pasher looked frustrated, you know, not finishing and, and us being able to hold him back. Paris G, I would say, yeah, he didn't make that one mistake. I think we all make one giant mistake like that kind of just a weird a weird move that went all wrong so i don't you know he is a pro so maybe we should tear him to pieces i'm not going to because especially the rest of the night i would say he did a good job on pasher which is no small feat in mm -hmm. this league yeah i thought paris was i thought paris this whole year has been very very good going forward and, yeah. and defending his track back well 
uh, and yeah, I mean, he made a mistake on to lead up to the goal, but he was still an extremely hard worker, great work rate out there. And when we went down to nine men, he he played really, really hard. And uh, yep. he's part of the reason why we, we got a point. And uh, Absolutely. really, every every guy out there, all nine of them, they contributed significantly. Like uh, uh, Kadeem Dakers came on yeah. uh, in the, shortly after Wharton got sent off. I'm not sure what time it was, but Kadeem kept in the honest and made a couple two or three runs with the ball that kind of had to make sure that they backed off a little bit because otherwise if we were pinned in our own half for 25 minutes I don't think there's any way that they don't get at least one goal against us uh, and and if Kadeem could have put in that <laughs> one shot he put yeah. on, it, it wasn't a great opportunity no. but if he somehow could have cut in and, and put that in the in the far corner I mean talk about we'd be talking about building Kadima statue right now yeah, I mean, we just, would. <laughs> absolutely just, we would he put in a great shift uh, yep. guy bend I thought honestly had a poor game up until Wharton got sent off and then he was phenomenal it just yep every guy out there had the mindset of clawing out any way possible getting a point and surviving and, and I, you just love to see that it, it wasn't a fun game to watch as a right. fan. I, I hated every minute of it, but every indie fan out there, I'm sure, hated every minute of that game more than we did. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I can't imagine. I would be furious if I was an indie fan. How frustrating. Um, but I will say, I, I, I forgot to mention earlier, um, yeah, I think we had four yellows already by the half, which is more than us. Yeah. I, I feel like one of our strengths this year has been knowing how to play the ref based on how they're calling a game. and. Usually we do very well with that, but Indy's... Hello, motorcycle. Um, Indy's such a good team. I think we had to waste a couple yellows in the first half, and it came back to bite us. Um, paid off, obviously, but... Um, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say about the other things. I mean, who... Who gives a yellow card in the fourth minute, yeah. fifth minute of a match? Um, who was it that got the Wharton. fifth Wharton minute? It was got, Wharton. got the first one, and... And the problem is, like, when he got the red, it's like he always does that around that time in a game. Multiple times, and a lot of times it's clean, or at least, you know. (laughs) (laughs) He does a good job with that, but, uh, you know, it went very bad this time. And to be honest, I thought, maybe I'm wrong. I'm really bad about refs. I, I liked that he let a lot of stuff go, it felt like, in the first half. A lot of guys were starting to dive, and he let, like, three go in a row, like in the 43rd minute or something like that. But I thought he could have called Indy on some more things. There's a little bit of a bias, but he okay. He certainly was implacable. I mean, for, for whatever you want to say, he, he was decisive. Yeah. Uh, a little too decisive for my taste, but I don't think you can argue on Sam's yellows. He earned yeah. both of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wish on that second one, if you're going to take a second yellow that early in the second half, make them pay for it. I mean, make sure that... I don't 
think he necessarily absolutely had to take that one, but he felt he did, and yeah, yeah. I actually thought the first one was weird because it was a tactical foul, and we actually had four guys back and they had two attackers. Indy's really dangerous, so I'm really I'm not judging at all. But I, I thought he could have trusted his teammates a little bit there, but in the moment it is what it is. Um, yeah, I just remember, that's what I wanted to say. I, I just remembered that, yeah, Dakers was, and Abend, exactly, you read my mind. We didn't talk about this before, but those two really put an incredible shift in once we were down to eight men. And I've said before that I just feel like this team is so professional compared to any team we've ever had. They are a bunch of veterans. And um, once we were down to eight men, it was like we had a Honda or a Toyota Prius out there. It was just like, no one's expending too much energy. Always like make sure someone's up on the ball. So that guy would like expend some energy, but otherwise they just tried to hold a shape best they could. And then if they could counter, it was Dakers running his ass off, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, something we've really grown to love in him in the last year. Or so, um, props to the guys for just eking out a win, uh, a draw rather. It felt like a win. So, um, really good one there. Uh, we have two more games, both at home quote at home uh louisville's next and then one more against indy they'll be out for blood for sure um i think at least one of those games i got to try to squirm my way in somehow <laughs> we'll see if the team lets me in um do, have you guys you guys have both been at games haven't you yeah home games yeah. good I'm getting those press passes perfect yeah yeah and, and they're earned yeah uh yeah i've been calling the games and uh yeah. Stuart has been doing a great job uh, putting like uh, like the flags and everything around uh, the stands. So uh, kudos for that. I, I really like that. Uh, it's great to see that even though there that that there are no fans, you can feel the presence of the Luligans and yeah. everybody in general. I agree. I heard some of them yelling in the last time, the last home game for sure. It's very few people, but you can't hear yeah. you, you can't hear people because I love especially it. that game against Sporting KC. Yes, like, exactly. Like people got emotional at the end, so yeah. so yeah, it was great. And and some of it's, uh, I mean, there's staff there too, just the normal staff guys. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're yelling too. I mean, they're of course professionals for the most part, but I think uh, when Sam scored. Oh my gosh, how do you not? In the 96th minute. Uh, no one was unbiased there. Uh, that was. Yeah, I got a little teary eyed because what? He scored that goal and um, he tweeted later that he like ran over to the corner. He went where to all the his corner, favorite, yeah. yeah, where all his favorite people always are. God, kills me. Even now, man. That is such. He's such a great, awesome dude and he gets it, you know? He's from here, so it makes sense. Same with Tritz, you know? It's like, those guys are from here, and you almost feel that they're from here the second you talk to them. The very first conversation you have with those guys, it's like you just feel that they're from here, and that we all kind of feel the same way. I think that's true for every team that has a local guy. It's so important, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, just thinking about local guys, I really hope St. Louis City SC yeah. does something about that, about having either from the academy or... Uh, local professional player because uh, that's that's key yeah i would even say that um they probably won't view it this way but i'm just gonna say it for my own peace of mind is you know we got two years here where these guys are all gonna have to find a job and let's say like fanwell cavita 
or uh, Toby or Sam Fink or like even some other guys, some attackers end up really doing something special in the next couple of years. I mean, I would consider a lot of those guys adopted St. Louis at that point where if they bring them back, if they have a next incredible next two years and the team's willing to give them a chance, I'd love to see them come back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see Fan someday or, or Sam or Toby or Dakers or whoever in yeah. City Pink, City Red, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But pink. <laughs> to me, it's pink, but... I like to think it's pink. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do think they're, having that local connection is something that's important to people in St. Louis. I mean, yeah. it, whoever, if it's... I'm not saying it has to be uh, Vidad or, or someone like that, mm-hmm. but just someone who knows the area and... Uh, has that heart, the heart of the club, um, like like a Sam. I mean, yeah. it would be awesome if it was Sam. I mean, right. What would be better than that? Right. Yeah. Um, and I turned on the uh, what Portland Timbers two versus Tacoma Defiance is on right now, and Aiden Stanley's on the field, and I know he would love to put on the city pink. I guarantee you, he would love that. So. Um, you know, he's he's staying in the game and tr- trying to be available at that point. And uh, Lutz has said that he wants some homegrown. So, you know, that term can be twisted to be whatever you want <laughs> at this point. It's changing every year in MLS. So if that means it's Aiden Stanley or Nietzsche or um, Sam Fink, Famuel Kavita, some, you know, that wouldn't count. But you get the point. We'd accept it all, I think, is what we're saying here. Um, something I forgot. I was going to start with this, and I think it's a really cool thing that's going to happen. And, you know, consider COVID, before I go too off on it, because I'm going to want to really push it, uh, think about COVID and whether uh, you and your family want to come out to an event um, like this. But um, Club Atletico is going to play St. Louis Maritza, and that doesn't happen very often, folks. It's not even in friendlies. Do they ever play each other? They're in different uh, leagues completely. One's in UPSL and one is in NASL. Nope, nope, that doesn't exist. NPSL, right? Yeah. And um, so this is a really special time. So they're going to play at CHS, Christian High School, out in, I think it's O'Fallon, St. Peter's kind of area. O'Fallon, okay. Um, Six o'clock on Sunday. And it's going to be a special time. I'm going for sure. I'm going to try to get one or two of my boys out, inviting all my friends, because um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Club Atletico, um, very socially conscious in this area. They're trying to fight trafficking in St. Louis. They're a nonprofit as much as they are a a soccer team. Um, They like to play the young kids. They have clubs in foreign countries, academies in foreign countries. Um, A really special club. I'm just giving you the rundown real quick if you haven't heard of them, and you should have by now. But just in case, go look them up, St. Louis Club Atletico. Um, They have a younger team for sure, and they do their best to move players on to bigger clubs after. Um, Maritza is the opposite. Um, they just kind of find the best players in St. Louis that they can get a hold of. They're willing to play for them. Um, and they play beautiful soccer. It is fun to watch. I've only seen them a couple times. And 
every time it's been a joy to watch. And so this will be a fun one for both of those reasons. You know, a socially conscious, amazing club that we should all be supporting. And uh, some of the prettiest soccer you've seen in St. Louis, probably um, in Maritza. It'll be a fun one. You guys, you guys both said you're going, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll be there. Uh It'll be great. I don't know. Like, how often do you get to see a St. Louis Derby? Has this ever yeah. happened? I don't know. Uh, so it's funny because in relation to Maritza, Maritza came one game away from yep. qualifying for the Open Cup. And if they would have qualified for the Open Cup, then they would have been one game away from playing, most likely playing St. Louis FC. And that would have been the first... Ugh. Local derby, yeah. I would have loved it. Maritza hasn't even played um, STLC and you know friendly or, or anything like that. So I, I guess the closest to this for a would be SIUE and SLU in the bronze boot. Yeah, I think that's true. Or if you go back several, several, several years, I'm sure they were playing each other in the Open Cup and local amateur leagues for sure back when amateur leagues were a little bit more of a big deal because it, it was some of the best soccer you could find in the country um yeah uh this will be special so i encourage everybody to go look into that go to the game if you can and, and if you feel safe for sure of course um yeah um anything else about st louis fc gotta win. On? gotta win on saturday yeah hey, yeah let's talk about that um Injuries, that's what we really got to cover before we skip out on, on STLFC, is uh, injuries and red cards. Um, Umar seems to be out. We're pretty sure La Paré might be out at this point. Um, we're trying to figure out, without Wharton and um, all the injuries, who the heck is going to play center mid for us, whether there's two or three of them, you know what I mean, and, and where and how they're going to play. It's a, it's a weird one. Yeah, so, you know, I was thinking a little bit about that, and... Paris G, when he played in Tulsa, he played as center midfield sometimes. I didn't know so that. So that could be an option. Oh. But he has been doing so well uh, as a fullback that may, I don't know if coach will want to make that change. Yeah, I mean, Richard Bryan also hasn't looked bad in that role uh, where Paris G plays normally. So it wouldn't be a bad option. I mean, we're getting pretty dire here. You know what I mean? Yeah, there aren't many options left. Um, just what I've s my take watching Tritz and his uh, aggressive formations, I think we'll see Rivas. Uh, I think we'll see a midfield of Rivas, Walfall, and Guy Bend to start. And then we'll do Greg and Blackwood up top. Then uh, G uh, and Cicerone as the wingbacks and Fisher. I think he'll take Sam's spot in the back line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Who we I thought Fisher looked pretty good yes. uh, when he came on. And I, I think every time he's come on, he's he's looked dependable and he's looked good. Uh, he's obviously second on the charts for left back, and he's obviously second on the charts for left center back. But he's he's a good depth player, and he's very. Uh, Unassuming, I guess you you hardly notice he's there most of the time, yeah. which which I think for a center back is often a good a good thing. I completely um, agree. I, to be honest, after that game, I wondered, especially because that's what I thought. I was like, 
damn, Fisher's been in for like how long? 30 minutes by the end of the game? 40 even? Yeah. I was just shocked thinking Less about the facts. Less than 90 minutes total, I would say. How many, sorry? Less than 90 minutes total. Fisher yeah. came on when Fink got sent off, I believe. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I mean is I think, yeah. what, did Fink go off in the 60th? Yeah, or was uh, it later? Was it was yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time, and yeah. I, I, it took me till about the 85th minute where I was like, "Damn, Fisher's been in this entire time," and yeah, I couldn't remember an instance yeah. where he st- t- stepped wrong or yeah, yeah. had to make a special play. I don't know. Yeah, and he, he could be underestimated, is what I'm getting at. He could yeah, be very. He hasn't played much, but when he has been in, he has gotten the job done um i was saying i don't think he has i could be wrong i don't think he has played more than 90 minutes mm-hmm. the whole season maybe, i think you're right maybe a little more but but he has looked fine and he has he has done the job so yeah. i think uh when you like when you are a bench player and it comes time to uh, step up this this time is saturday for some of these guys yep because uh, the bench is depleted with all the injuries, and then Fink and Wharton will be out. So mm-hmm. it's game time for, for probably for Fisher and some of the other guys. How great would it be if uh, Vlastos is the one who makes makes the play, scores the goal against against Louisville? That would be not to to jinx us, but I want that it so would bad. be if anyone scored. I would want it to be to. To be Nietzsche to score mm-hmm. that winner to, to drive it in. Nietzsche or, I mean, Fan or, you know, Dakers are all great choices, but uh, first professional goal, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And I think there's no way we don't see Nietzsche play a significant amount of minutes on Saturday. Just, he'll have to. Yeah. I don't, see, I worry that he won't. The only time he's really come in is if we have the game well in hand. Um, and he does a great job. He's the perfect player to bring in when you have the game well in hand. But, um, you know, I'd like to see it too. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I think the one, like, pivotal piece, if we're going to get nerdy about it, is, uh, you know, is he going to put Rivas in, as a center mid or is he going to put him out as a winger? Are we going to have... Basically, my eyes are going to shift to that midfield the second we play that game because I think it'll be something like what you just said, uh, Stuart. And um, I'm just going to be curious who's going to be like, is it one guy doing Umar's job on the counterattacks and defense or is it going to be kind of shared between um, Wallfall or Rivas or basically who's in the sixth role and is it shared? You know, it's kind of what I'm going to be looking for. Santiago, you're making faces. I see you're the wheels turning, yeah, and just, I like it. Just thinking about who's going to be in the sixth role, I think it has to be Gaia Ben. I don't see uh, yeah. Rivas or Fall taking that role. No, I only see them sharing that duty if they if it's a double pivot, you know. Mm-hmm. And Wall's done that plenty, and he's smart enough of a player. He could handle it in a shared uh, position. But, you know, Abend, if he's not injured, I mean, he's got fr- the freshest legs on the team to a certain extent, so he could do it as well. Um, anyway, that's, I'm just saying basically that's where I'm going to be looking. Uh, my nerdy soccer brain's going to be curious how that's going to work for sure. 
Um, Louisville is a tough, tough squad right now. Maybe one of the best in the league right now. I've seen several people say that they think they could take the whole thing again this year with the streak that they're going on and the depth that they have. They've acquired more depth in the last couple, like three weeks. Um, they've got a hell of a center back slash right back in West Sharpie. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah, I, I think one thing we have going for us is that <clears throat> Louisville has nothing to play for for the next two games. Yeah. They have, they won the group. How they play won't affect whether they play Pittsburgh or Hartford. And obviously, uh, Hartford's the weaker of those two teams, but I mean, Pittsburgh's allowed eight goals in 14 matches. And five of those eight came against teams in Group E. <laughs> um, Louisville with one, Indy with two over two games, or three over two games. Two, two. Two. He was one, one nil, both games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then St. Louis, obviously, with the 2-2. Two, two. Um, Could have been three. Could have been three. <laughs> we we should have won that game, but... Uh, <laughs> in, Indy, other than Pride, doesn't have a reason quite to get up for the match like St. Louis does so that's my hope is that emotionally we'll just be more driven Um, but to go back to Pittsburgh if if I'm a Riverhounds fan I none of the I don't think they match up well against any of their potential opponents yeah they don't match up well against Louisville I don't think they match up well against Indy and they don't match up well against us so it's such a weird year on how these groups break down but yeah um, and for you to say those things about pittsburgh that's weird as hell as well you know they're usually the opposite style stats and and they've changed in their style of play and it's been a lot more fun to watch but i I think in a normal year pittsburgh is definitely still a playoff team i don't want to short shift them at all it's just I think in a normal year, St. Louis, Indy, and Louisville are all playoff teams as well. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about Hartford, but uh, obviously the group that we play in is a lot more difficult than the group <laughs> that Pittsburgh plays in. Hell so, yes. Uh, how how Jeez. you measure is it's a tough one. It makes you wonder if even like Sporting KC would take second in some of these groups. You know. Sporting KC the way would, would definitely put up a better fight than Loudon yeah. and Baby Bulls did in, in Group F. That I have no doubt on that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I mean, and that's something I haven't had time to kind of fit into a conversation in uh, the USL show, but it's a USL show kind of discussion. The fact that there's no play-in round in this is like right. the only. It is what it is. It's uh no hate because i'm just glad we have soccer right now you know we were the first to come back with fans and uh it's worked out thank god but um i think if i had one complaint to be I, i'd like some kind of a play-in uh just because especially us our group is ridiculously more difficult than everyone else's there you have the plane india against st louis next saturday october 3rd yeah That's the playing game well, you're right. You're right. So maybe I can't complain. <laughs> That's it. It really is that. I mean, is it that, though? Um, I feel like if the third place in our group took on the third place in any other group, literally, you know, I think that would we'd still that person, that team would destroy any other third place team. 
except maybe not Group B. I believe is that the yeah. Phoenix Loyal. Yeah, OC. I think that would be the one that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's most comparable group to ours. I agree. I agree. Yeah, but back to Sporting KC. Uh, I was looking at the table. I think it was last week. So they are fourth in Group E, or they at the time they were fourth in Group E with 13 points. With those 13 points, they they could be third in most of the groups. Crazy. That is crazy to think about. Even uh, and that's saying something, especially because St. Louis Indy and Louisville are such good teams. Um, what do they play? Austin this week or something like that? That'll be interesting to see. They they lost. They lost. Oh, I missed nothing. it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's disconcerting. Maybe our group's not as good, but maybe, who but knows? maybe they have one more. Okay. That they will play really well next yeah. Wednesday against Indy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, Cross your fingers. Was that Austin game in Austin? Or yes. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, for all the reasons that I, I hate on Sporting KC, and, and I do hate them. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, they, I'm with you. they have traveled more than any other team this year. For yeah. sure. And um, I, I can't blame them for probably taking a bus down to Austin 12 hours yeah. Uh, probably the day of the game, morning of the game, maybe the night before, playing a match and then coming back after traveling to um, St. Louis just the you know four days before. Right. So those guys have a lot of uh, bright future ahead of them. But uh, <laughs> I made a joke on Twitter and and SCL City <laughs> picked up on it, um, and it was mostly correct. I think. <laughs> We're going by regular season and outdoor soccer matches, but in nine nine matchups between St. Louis FC and Swope Park slash Sporting KC2, uh, KC never picked up a win in St. Louis. That's and, awesome. And I absolutely love that. And I, I know it, it, it bugs some people in the KC organization, and I know it, it rubs some... Uh, Sporting KC fans the wrong way and <laughs> just love that. Absolutely love it. Well, it's a tradition we can try to continue on when, in MLS. That's that's what makes it even better. So, good one, Stuart. That's really awesome. I enjoyed that one for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's a perfect transition. Let's talk a little bit about St. Louis City SC. It still does not run uh, roll off the tongue. I'll get there, though. Uh, plenty of time to figure that out for sure. Uh, we sold... Deposits for season tickets, and my God, our city showed up, right? Um, I'll just say the facts, which is uh, the two big ones are in the first 15 minutes, I think it's, quote, 15 minutes, we sold 30,000, which was uh, the previous record, and then in 24 hours, we sold 50,000 season ticket deposits. And to be totally factual, no, Stuart, you fill us in on the uh, let's let you can give us you can qualify all of these facts, right? Yeah. So uh, previous record was set by Austin FC last June, uh, and they got thirty thousand at their stadium, and uh, we got fifty thousand over twenty four hours, and that's those are the tickets or seats themselves, not the right. individual deposits. Yes. So, from what I've heard, the deposit numbers are actually very impressive. It's not eight people. Eight people didn't choose, or 
one person didn't choose eight seats for uh, every single of mm -hmm. those 50,000. For sure. Uh, I know I, I got three personally. I only got four. Santiago? I, I'm that, that exception that got eight. <laughs> okay, fair so, enough. Santiago, eight. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 2023. I know I have friends who are interested. Sure. They mentioned, hey, we should get tickets. I'll, I'll get eight. Like, we'll yeah. figure it out. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've heard of a couple people who they got eight and their dad got eight. But I've also talked to a few people who they got one. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the numbers I heard were pretty impressive, uh, and to show up and put down fifty dollars, it it really is something that builds some momentum. And uh, obviously, in the next three years, things are going to change. When they price out actual season tickets, those numbers are going to drop. So if anyone wants to put in a deposit, you still can and you still should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, who knows how many of those translate to season tickets, but it. It's uh, it's just a sign that that the area really is excited for this team, and that's uh, very very contagious, and uh, it's very exciting, very very exciting. It is. I think San Diego. Why don't you share your thoughts before? Yeah, I know. So uh, obviously, fifty thousand. Uh, we were saying we don't know how many accounts that is and obviously the club uh, didn't publish any information about that but based on things I heard uh, my estimate is that it is at least 10,000 accounts uh, so 50,000 uh, nice. in in, there was a I don't remember which uh, outlet but there was an interview with Dennis Moore and he said that he thought that maybe 75% of those uh, 50,000 will go through. Uh, wow. I also had a chance to talk to him before, like a couple of weeks before, and he said that based on their uh, research, a uh, season ticket holder will have an average of three tickets. So based on that and the 75%, I get to uh, 10 to 12,000 accounts. So, Great. And that's still really good. But 10 to 12, thousand accounts that would get three tickets each yeah that's a lot if their estimates of still tickets per account are right wow and, and that's more than will be available yeah I mean. exactly and i think that's what they want yeah. and i, oh, I think yeah. it's smart um because sport i think it's pretty clear that like um ckb has been going over to sporting kansas city a lot and getting ideas from them and i i have n no problems with that great organization i think that's great but part of Sporting Kansas City is, I think she said in one of her interviews that SKC could have expanded that stadium like five times by now. They've had the money to do it. They've spent the money on other things. And I think they just like selling out a 20,000 seat stadium. And I think it's really smart. Um, last thing I'll say is that we've seen too that after about five to 10 years, it's great. But then you start seeing things like FC Dallas, you know, who's been around for a long time. It gets stagnant. Um, ticket prices go down. So it's kind of nice. We're going to get to watch Sporting Kansas City to see if they get stagnant and if their prices go down. Or, um, and I think they've sold out every single game in their history, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, not regular season game, rather. Not at CMP. Their solid streak ended last year. Okay. 
I mean, it was a great run, and I think that would be a good thing for St. Louis as well to stick with that. And then if, if it does die down at some point, maybe then you don't expand. Because what? The first thing people were like, oh, 50,000 deposits. Um, expand the season. and Expand the stadium now. No, no. no. <laughs> we, well, let's be real about what happens in MLS. And from a practical standpoint, let's, let's be honest. They've already started building the footprint of the stadium. Yeah. If you were to expand to... Is it 32,000 they're ready to do? I forget uh, the number. 20, 22,500. But, I, and I don't know if this is still out there or not, but I think at some point when they announced the stadium plans, uh, it was said that they could expand by another 5,000 if needed. But okay. I don't know if that's still in the cards or not. Yeah, I've seen 25 as one oh, listed, okay. 27 as 27.5 as another one. Uh, but just from a practical standpoint, the team's not going to expand past, you know, twenty-seven-five off right away because right. it's right. a privately funded stadium, and that's another a hundred and fifty million, a hundred and eighty million dollars. Yeah. It just the ROI is not going to be there for for CKB. In, instead. You have a wait list, and you you build an exciting product. Yeah, yes. You build an atmosphere. I mean, I think we've all been to small grounds that are intimate, and those I think are just more intense and more enjoyable than yeah. going to a massive NFL stadium that's half dead, and it just sucks the atmosphere and the life off it. Every, everyone feeds off of each other, and. Yeah. In two and a half years, hopefully all 23,000 of us, 22,000 of us are going to be pumping out that energy together. I think a perfect example is uh, any Open Cup game at uh, Soccer Park, you know, has been incredible. And does it, what does it hold, 7,000 people? It's been uh, better than any MLS game I've ever yeah, been to. Yeah, it's 5,500 sure. officially and then standing room only, I think, for Chicago. I think they got up to... 6200 or something like that that's awesome yeah it was one of my one of the best soccer memories i have is that game for sure that was awesome yeah so um i yeah i think this is the way you go this is the way you go i just wanted it out in the ether like no we're not going to expand Fifty thousand is not fifty thousand, but it is something very good like you were able to say today santiago that's something i didn't know that's great it's awesome absolutely love it um things are looking good i mean lutz has been going around to high school games that's cool right making his rounds that's right i think that's really cool um i don't know it, it part of me wants to think it's humble part of me wants to think it's a bit of a of a marketing thing and i don't really care if it's both or either or whatever um it's a cool thing that he's going around to all those games for sure Maybe we'll see him on Sunday at Maritza versus Atletico. Hey, if he's going to Fort Zumwalt North, I think he might <laughs> might maybe go to that game on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, he's. I think also a little bit of boredom plays into it as well right? because he's he he's he's a football he's a soccer guy. I mean, right. yeah. he's he's going to find where games are being played. He's he's been to SCLFC games. Uh, I mean, I've I've felt the same way. I mean, that's the reason why I've been to Lions games. I've been to yep. uh, a bunch of these games is because it's it's live 
live football, live soccer. Yeah, we're kind of laughing right now because Aiden, <laughs> Aiden Stanley gave a, on a set piece, gave a Tacoma player a shove in the back. <laughs> a giant Tacoma player. <laughs> he's getting a talking to, but... I love good it. Good to see Aiden's, Aiden's still the same. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no, I absolutely love what, what Lutz is, is doing out there and... If it's just networking, if it's marketing or whatever it is, boredom, it's the right choice. Yeah. And, and I like it. And uh, honestly, probably none of the guys he, he watches will be pros if, if we're blunt about it. Sure. But maybe some of them are. Maybe, who knows? I mean, and how special is it for a kid at Ford Zumwalt to be playing in front of an MLS sporting director? Oh, my God. That's just... That's a dream. Yep. Absolutely. And and think about one of the Maritza guys. Yep. Or one of the Club Atletico guys, guys who are a lot closer to that level, some of whom are professional, to play in front of an ML sporting director. Yeah. That's hopefully he comes on Sunday because if they know he's coming, you can expect that game's gonna go up a couple notches in right. intensity. It really is. I, I mean, like I said before, um, I've been expect. I've been really impressed with some of Club Atletico's players, but Marisa, you know, they played beautiful soccer um, outside of St. Louis FC. He may be really like impressed with what he sees as far as like the kind of soccer that's played. And um, you know, I went to that La Liga final, the amateur team final, and. My God, it was fun to watch, and I really feel like there. Uh, it's I'm. I don't know if I'm way wrong on this, but I just when I went to that, I was like, man, there's this whole soccer energy that the rest of St. Louis is missing out on. Um, and actually, I want to lead right into this because um, I thought that was something special. There were like little young, like at most in high schools, age kids playing on some of those amateur teams that I watched. Um, and those are the guys where I'm like, damn, I want to see this kid go against some of the Academy kids right. and see what he can do. Like give this kid a scholarship or give him like no, no, no pay to play to, to come play um, and see what he can do and, and learn um, how to rise in the soccer world in MLS. That's the kind of thing that you see from guys like Alex Mendez and Richie Ledesma, like some of the, um, uh, Alvarez um, over at LA um, Galaxy, Efren, yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, you know, some of these ballers, like street style ballers, can be something special, and and I think we got some of those in St. Louis even. So um, I would love for Lutz to kind of grasp that and and take yeah. it and see where it goes at least, at least yeah. test it out with. Uh, Something we'll talk about in the future, um, how our academy and uh, is going to play out and perhaps a reserve squad. Uh, we'll talk about that in the future. But, um, you know, as amazing as it is to get 50,000 reserve, uh, reserve season tickets possibly out there, uh, what the frustration for me, and I, I hate to end on a bad note, but I think this is how we're going to close it out, is why... Does St. Louis have 50,000 of those tickets and we cannot sell out a St. Louis FC game unless it's an open cup, you know, quarterfinal or whatever the hell it was. Man, that really hurts me. It really hurts me. I know it happens in every city, um, but it hurts me quite a bit. There's a lot of good soccer out there that a lot of people are missing in St. Louis. 
Yeah, I, I think it's that two things that it's people perceive it as a minor league. And the second thing that uh, I hear a lot, oh, it's in Fenton. That's too far. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's beaten to death. And it's obvious at this point, but... You know, it was very bittersweet for me. First of all, I was impressed. I never expected us to really kill it like that. Um, up to this point, we had done really well with um, St. Vincent and Grenadines uh, World Cup qualifier game. We'd done really well. Chelsea and City. Yeah, that one was good. Um, and then the women's games, we killed it, yeah. right? And that's where I was, like, really impressed that maybe we're putting our money in the wrong place. Maybe we just need a women's team here. <laughs> For a while, I thought we'd never get an MLS team and we'd just have a women's team. But Well, I think St. Louis soccer fans are partially event-oriented. Big events bring them out. And it's a city of, of 3 million people. Honestly, 3 million people, you shouldn't have a hard time selling 30,000 tickets to a national team game. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the case everywhere. I mean, some, some cities can do that. Uh, and I'm glad we did. I think that should be the the normal. I mean, that's a small percentage of the population locally. Uh, the other events that were big ones, the Bosnia-Argentina game, that got a good crowd, but it was an event. Um, and right now, MLS is is an event, and, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, to... Santiago's point I hear people talking about driving to Fenton and uh, that's a common complaint but it's really not driving to Fenton to watch their team it's driving to Fenton to watch USL I mean there are going to be people who will drive 45 minutes to an hour to watch City SC play every week Mm -hmm. Uh, there are people who do that for the Blues and the Cardinals but that's I I at this point, I'm I'm past the point of frustration of mm. people not giving St. Louis FC a chance and just people who didn't give St. Louis FC a chance missed out on something really, really special. And that is entirely their loss. And in 15 years, when we look back and talk about St. Louis FC and they have no idea what we're talking about, that's, yeah. that's on them. And... I won't act like I'm superior for going to the games, but I, I think we all tried our our, our damnedest to get everyone out there yeah. when we could. So, and, you know, it's frustrating, but we'll do what we can in 2023 to make it a really special experience and something as close to the environment that we get at Soccer Park now as we can. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I had something positive to add on uh, add on to that, and I can't remember what, but I think that's a perfect way to end it. I think uh, you nailed it there. We are among those who have seen something really special in St. Louis, and uh, it's not over yet. We get a, a couple more games, so um, and if all goes well, we get more than a couple more games. So yeah, uh, they may not be home games, but hopefully we will get some more. It might be better for us not to have home games if we can travel, right? Some guys went to Indy this weekend, so I was very jealous for sure. So, all right, boys, let's get it done. Thanks, you guys, for coming out. Santiago, Stuart, this is Phil, and this is Flyover Footy. Thanks for uh, listening, everyone.